Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Four Your Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. Once again, it is the CONCACAF Champions League second leg round of 16 review show as we will talk about those clubs in Major League Soccer as well in the United States, Canada, and everywhere else within the region. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. As I give you my two cents on the situation that has been going on with this tournament and everything else involving it, but one thing is for sure, folks. One thing is for sure. The straw has finally broke the camel's back. The straw has finally decided to be the last straw. The final Final straw straw has has broken broken the camel's back. back. The The end end of basically basically what what has been been going going on with this this tournament broadcasting-wise has now officially been, I would say, the end. When it when comes, it comes to, to Fox, Fox Sports, Sports analyzing or doing, doing the job they're supposed to do when you have a tournament like this. When you have a tournament like this. And once again, we all know it's not as prestige as the UEFA Champions League. I understand. Nothing, Nothing like, like the Copa, Copa Libertadores, I understand. But, but when, when this tournament is made for the clubs of this region, you, you would, would like, like to think right, right now, now that, that this, this tournament, tournament means something, something special to the clubs that participated in it. And I'm talking about those clubs that are always going to be in Major League Soccer. Those clubs in the League of MX because they want to continue to show their dominance in club football in this region. You are expecting here in this country, from one of your so-called top sports broadcasting partners, that have shown to dedicate themselves to international soccer on both the national team side and the club side. 
It's, it's not, not just, just World Cup qualifying, everyone. And it's not, not just, just the Gold Cup. It, it is the CONCACAF Champions League. And I understand it's not as prestigious as the UEFA Champions League, and I understand that. The UEFA Champions, Champions League has been around for a very, very long time, and CONCACAF has not had a Champions League this long either. And they're doing their best. With the right people running this confederation right now, trying to get everywhere else to take this tournament seriously. They're doing their best to make sure that this tournament does not get thrown by the wayside. But the truth of the matter is this, is that if you are not going to have a television provider who is supposed to take this thing seriously, well, then what's the point of them being a television provider partner? This is why. I have said this many, many times, that I do not trust the production company, the production work of Fox Sports. This does not mean that I do not trust the soccer experts who are working for Fox. I trust Rob Stone, Alexi Lalas, Maurice Du, who's done double duty right now with both CBS and Fox. I have trusted John Strong, Stu Holden, J.P. Della Camera, any other soccer analyst that wants to do Fox games for MLS. I trust them. It is the people I trust that you know who are truly dedicated to the game and truly dedicated of getting the damn thing right to have Fox Sports eliminate last night's Seattle Sounders Motagua Champions League match from our TV screen just to fill it up with college basketball and when the game the original game was over on Fox Sports 1 what, what Fox, Fox Sports did not do was take us back to Seattle, to Lumen Field, and what they did not do was return that Champions League game back onto Fox Sports 2. That basketball game, that college basketball game involving Utah, was on both channels. Oh, but it's on the app. But not many people get the app. There are people today who feel that the streaming technology is not for them. Sooner or later, it's bound to happen that it's going to be full-time, and I understand. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is this, folks. There are still people who are not ready to make that jump yet. That's why I call national broadcasting television. People were upset and complained on Twitter. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. 
Fox oh. Sports. Sure. They'll have, have the, the right, right to the World Cup in Qatar. They'll have, have the right to the World Cup in Qatar, and they'll do anything and everything to talk about it. But, you know, it's getting to the point where this is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. Because what's the point of them having every other soccer tournament, but you can't do something with the CONCACAF Champions League? And in this opening round, everything was either on Fox Sports 2 or Fox Soccer Plus. And I don't think everybody gets Fox Soccer Plus these days. You want to know what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. They don't care. This tournament means something. We've had two American clubs in LAFC, Real Salt Lake, reach the final. We've had two Canadian clubs in Toronto and Montreal reach the final. But they have not cracked open the champagne bottles to celebrate that title. And that's, and that's what's what missing right now. That's, that's what's missing. And if Fox Sports does not want to get involved anymore in CONCACAF events, well then, you know who can do this sort of thing much better than Fox Sports, who truly cares, that truly gives a damn? I'll take CBS Sports for $200, Alex. I'll take NBC Sports for $400, Alex. I'll take ESPN for $1,000, Alex. Those three networks care about their production, their reputation, and for the world game. I understand that the European leagues mean a lot more than what MLS and anything that happens around here does. Because when you get below Mexico, there's not much great football to be played. But once again, what has CBS Sports done so far when it comes to production work? of the CONCACAF Nations League. And even though the CONCACAF Nations League is not the best of all tournaments that CONCACAF has done, the truth is UEFA has their Nations League. We have our Nations League. CBS Sports, in my eyes, has proven it to be serious. They care about the quality of their production work. Yes, I know the U.S. men's national team was a part of it. They got USA-Mexico in the final. But once again... What happened? Great care. They care about their production work, their studio work. Excuse me. CBS Sports right now, I would tell them, I say whatever's left on the contract of Fox Sports 
or if this is the final year of Fox Sports doing CONCACAF Champions League and Gold Cup, reel them in, baby. Reel them in and show Fox Sports what it means to actually give a damn about how to do quality soccer production work as an American sports broadcaster. And what they have done so far, studio-wise, CBS, when it comes to UEFA Champions League, they have exceeded expectations. Europa League, the Serie A, the Argentine First Division, and the Brazilian Second Division. It has been incredible. And with the road to the World Cup qualifiers, these road games for the U.S., they've done a good job. Excuse me. They have done 10 million times better quality-wise than what Fox Sports has done. So basically, I say adieu to Fox. Let's bring in CBS. And let CBS show how important it is for real production work and real care when you are talking about covering this region international soccer tournaments. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Having this problem for a while, I apologize. But I'm just I've had enough. I've had, had enough. enough. If the Champions League doesn't, if this CONCACAF Champions League doesn't mean a damn thing for them, well then, you know, you know what? what? Maybe it's, it's time, time to let, let somebody, somebody else get a crack at it. Maybe it's, it's time, time for somebody, somebody else to go out and do and it. Do it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really makes me mad to see this happen by a so-called production sports network. It's unbelievable what's going on here. This is an absolute disgrace. And Fox Sports is showing me right now, they don't care about Major League Soccer. They don't care about CONCACAF events. Sure, they're going to get the UEFA championship somewhere down the road. But that's as far as it goes. Unreal. Unbelievable. And now it's time to put up or shut up. I want Fox Sports. The same care in the NFL, the same care in Major League Baseball, that same care should be done with every single sporting event that they handle at their doorstep. 
plain, plain and, and simple. Plain and simple. Let's go. Let's get it all done. Oh, excuse me. Let's go. Let's get it done. I've had enough. to go out and it's time to see everything moving forward in international soccer, especially in this region of CONCACAF. They deserve their form of respect and they deserve To get, get going. going. It's, it's just, just ridiculous. Just, just absolutely ridiculous what we have, have to, to endure when it comes to this stuff. Unreal. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, time for my guests tonight to talk about their clubs in the CONCACAF Champions League. Join me right now. Hopefully get him on the phone soon. Mr. Michael Anderer, Blue City Radio. As we get ready to talk about New York City FC, of course, taking on Santos de Guadalupas. If I mispronounced that last name, that name of the club, I apologize. So hopefully we get them on the horn and uh, ready to go. Try and get them on as quickly as possible. To talk about New York City FC's big victory in the match, second leg over at the Bank of California Stadium once again. New York City FC forced to play their home match, their home leg, away from the New York City area, tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Going all the way over to Southern California. And once again, what can you say? It's been uh, pretty... Well, let's just put it this way. Let's just put it this way. Um, 
I mean, this was basically a victory that you knew that New York City FC had to have. And you knew they were going to advance into the next round pretty easily against this club that basically their very first time in CONCACAF Champions League action. So once again, we get to talk to Mr. Andrew. And hopefully we can get him on as quickly as possible. I'm having an issue. Even though I'm on the air with you guys. I should be on the air. Hopefully we can get Michael on. Hopefully, I can get I can uh, get Michael on. We'll see what happens. But hopefully, we get Michael on, and we're going to have a show here. Radio. To start your show now, press one. Since it appears. 
volunteers you're calling back into a live show. We are reconnecting you now. All right, everybody, I'm back. I apologize about that. Once again, the connection was not good. And we are back live here, blogtalkradio.com. Let me see if I can try and get Michael real quick one more time. And if not, then we'll just... Try something else and we'll move on to our next guest. So we'll see what happens and hopefully we get them. And if not, we'll just move on to our next guest and uh, we'll try and get Michael on again sometime soon tomorrow or next time. But once again, you know, New York City FC. It was a destruction, 4-0 in the second leg, 6-0 on aggregate. Two, first two were away goals in the first leg. And you had to destroy Santos de Guapolis and put him out of their misery. It had to happen. So that's all you can do. And, and it looks like uh, Michael will not be available to join us tonight. And hopefully we'll get him back on at another time. So, Shame, but sometimes that happens. Not like, you know. It just happens to be like that. Michael is usually a very good guest. So, <clears throat> that's all right. We'll get him another time, and hopefully uh, <clears throat> everything will be just fine. <clears throat> um, but once again, New York City FC, Getting out of uh, that second leg unscathed. Red card that happened in the opening leg did not come to bite them in the butt. And all you can do is just go out and give them props for having a damn good game plan to move on to the next round against Joining me now, good friend of mine up in Canada. Canada's having a hell of a soccer moment. The national team is doing excellent work. They're going to qualify for the World Cup, even though there's still three games remaining in this final qualifying window. One thing's for sure, there's a lot of upbeat moments up in Canada especially with the national team and in the club level. Joining me right now, 24th Minute Blog, Soccer Today with Kevin Laramay, Sports Podcasting Network, the one and only Dwayne Rollins. Of course, Hamilton Forge, story of this Champions League, Dwayne. But I have to say, even though they gave it their best shot, um, we can definitely say they did not, you know, whimper out. They fought hard every single minute. 
and we all know, or at least I feel, they will come back in this tournament somewhere down the road. Yeah, that program, Forge, uh, it's an extension. It's the top of the pyramid of, of Sigma, which is a, a club that some like really tuned in. Uh, American observers may have heard of. Kyle Lauren came out of there for one, would probably be the the best example, Richie Larea as well. So so it's a club that's produced a lot of great players, a lot of uh, NCAA players, too, that have played in top programs. They they really do a good job there. And Forge, you know, when the Canadian Premier League launched, they, they put that as their top top of the pyramid. I don't know why they didn't keep the name Sigma, but that's for the marketers at Camp Yale to let me know. But at any rate, they it's an extension of that, and, and it really does reflect the values of, of, a, of an organization that has always sort of stressed uh, – professionalism and and punching above your weight really they, they've done a lot with a little it's, it's run by a couple uh well Simeonis, bobby Simeonis, the the you know the manager of forge if you saw him up there it's him and his brother have run it for years and they're really brilliant soccer minds and and i think you see that a lot of a lot of that club comes from them and, and their his personality and his organization and his work ethic to get them where they are and, and work ethics what you'll say about forge the, the they they do a lot with a little in with a very tiny little uh, budget. If you don't know, I mean, look, the entire budget, and I'm talking uh, technical staff and coaching staff or, and players, is um, about a million dollars Canadian. So what's that, 750000 American is what they're working off of compared to a League of Mexico budget, which is what, $30 million, $40 million. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's no, outrageous absolutely. that they can even be in the same competition. I agree with you, Dwayne. I mean, the amount of the amount of money in the budget, you know, it's minuscule compared to what the best of the best have to work with in Europe. And, in, you know, to, to see them fighting the way they did. And that second leg, you have to say that, you have to say that second leg was just absolutely really, really tough for them to handle against uh, an opponent like Cruz Azul who are just, I would say, probably the strongest team out of the four uh, Mexican club sides that were able to go out and perform out there. And, I, I, mean, I, I mean, look, I was happy they scored a goal in the competition in the second leg, to score at the Azteca is by no means an easy feat for an opponent. But one thing is for sure, one thing is for sure, Dwayne, is that this team uh, definitely, which I feel bad for because their season starts in April, and, you know, the amount of pressure was on them was too great. Yeah, I mean, look, scored a goal would have been their goal. Had it, they would never have said something like that out loud. But, but honestly, they're you know we're realists, right? We understand exactly what we're up against. And as you say, their season doesn't start to April. Uh, for them to come back and get themselves into the season, into playing shape quickly is really a, a testament to the dedication of the players who, who really are stepping in outside of their of their you know well, they don't have the CBA and that's another story altogether. But really, they've decided to come back very early for. Uh, money that doesn't exactly, uh, you know, dazzle. And, and they've lost some key pieces from, from the team last year. Uh, Mobabuli, uh, Kwame, uh, Kwame uh, Moli, uh, guys like that, that that really have key components to the team had let in. And, and But they turn it through because they have 
the young system. They're able to better than most CamPL players. Not to get into a CamPL conversation here, but the reason they're so successful in this league is because they have that system in place that is able to rotate through. The other team that's very successful is Cavalry. Although they haven't won a championship, they're always up to the top of the whole three years. And same thing. They're, they have a system that they're called Foothills, which is long existing and created Owen Hargraves to represent Canada, but nonetheless, he came through there. So that's, that's you know, what the key is. And I think what that illustrates is how important it is to have a, a functioning pyramid. And when you do that, any center, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, where they're the southwestern Ontario, basically, is where they draw from. So kind of the GTA adjacent, but, but right there. And then, you know, Calgary, you're in the middle of the prairie and you're able to produce talent. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you have the right systems in place, you can produce it and you can compete. But, yeah, the beat, the idea that they were going to be the Mexican team is a bit absurd. And I'm a little concerned when the new competition opens up and you have more Canadian Premier League teams trying to play against the MLS and League of Mexico teams because they're not all Forge and you don't want to discourage them. And I think that another issue that has allowed Forge to play this team and go down and play them as, as well as they did is that they had that opportunity to sort of blood themselves in the CONCACAF League, which if you haven't paid attention to, is, is a really great competition that is sadly going to go away. It, it, it People called it the Europa League of, of CONCACAF, and that's not exactly correct, but it's, it's apt enough sort of make you understand kind of where it stands. And, and I think that they're making a big mistake in the moving into this new format, where you, which is just basically to benefit the top two leagues. But that's a topic for another day. No, and I understand that. I mean, that's the one thing that's going to be sad, that's going to be missing, will be that CONCACAF League once the new expansion of the Champions League starts in a couple of years or two. But, um, and hopefully Forge can find a way to get into it if it's possible and, I uh, would love to see them get another opportunity, like I said, to get into the Champions League and go and fight. Um, now I, I give my hats off to them. They've done so many wonderful things in the Canadian Premier League. They've done wonderful things in the CONCACAF League. And I know they finally get a first taste of the Champions League. Sadly, short-lived. But still, though, I give, I give Hamilton Forge a ton of credit to go out there and, uh, you know, have, have the, the cojones to find a way to fight and try to at least make a match out of it. And unfortunately, just Cruz Azul is too strong. I just want to quickly go to Montreal for a moment. Sure. And, you know, Santos Laguna is never, ever an easy opponent to face in international, in international club cup competition. But I have to say, Montreal... Could you say that their goal that they had in Mexico, that was it the right call by VAR to wipe that out? Because um, this I could think, have been won on the away goal. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that was certainly a, a tough call. Again, that, look, no, I think they cut the call wrong down there. And it, it's not to make this a VAR conversation because anyone who knows me knows how much I hate VAR, but. Um, and that's, that's not, that's not a new conversation. That's, that's, that goes back years. I hate instant replay in all sports. I think it's destroyed them. But at any rate, that's a full soapbox thing. Um, and I know a lot of Americans will disagree with me, so I'll, I'll shut up there. But, um, yeah, they, they <laughs> didn't, didn't have it right, I don't think, down there. And, and it illustrated to me my main concerns when it, as it relates to CONCACAF is it just gives two people or it gives you two chances to screw a call up. That's, you're not going to reverse as many calls, but whatever. Um, but, you know, the dominance in the second leg was 
uh, shocking, really. Um, Halovich was the dominant player out there, and if he plays like that week in, week out in MLS, then, you know, the the team formerly known as the Impact will will definitely be making more noise than, than most people expected them to do uh, this year, although I haven't fully listened to all the previews yet, but I think most people have them kind of mid-table. But uh, that, that was not a mid-table performance to beat, especially for Guna 3-0, a team that uh, that I've seen play a great deal of times. And although, you know, as I said on my show today, this is not your Hercule Gomez's Santos Laguna out there. They looked frazzled and disorganized, and they fired the manager today. So, yep. uh, yeah, this, this, that was not a great performance at all. Look, I, I, playing at Olympic Stadium, there's an advantage there. Uh, even though they don't play there often, they play there enough, and they have more access to it. The, the, that's what's called an impact again. The CF Montreal has more access to it, and it's tough. Like, I've walked on that turf before, Daniel. It's like... The best comparison I can give it, it's not quite the same, but it's, it's very similar to the old school AstroTurf, like of my childhood. Stuff you see like on NFL mm-hmm. films where you wonder whether or not they're going to lose half their skin on the, when they get tackled, but that's what it is. And yep. the ball doesn't run the same. It balls spreads fast. It's it's difficult to to adjust to. Um, you know, during the the 2016-17 run of TFC, when they made the final the two years in a row in 117, they had to play that Eastern Conference uh, first leg in Montreal, and they almost were derailed there by that not being able to react quickly to that trip. They figured it out because that was a great team, but it's and that's what's happened a lot of times too with with uh, Montreal. And I'm sure that when they're in the next round, it's going to be a tougher slug for them against Cruz Azul, but. Uh, I'm impressed by Montreal. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I think they're a playoff team in MLS, though, and I don't know if they're going to get much further in the CCL, but, but they, they look certainly impressive in that. And, and it comes it's the, the key strengths to, to Montreal are that core spine at the back. They're going to be difficult to break down, and if they can, Mahalovich can keep playing the way he did and, and create some offense, then that's going to be a dangerous team. We'll see. Time will tell. Yep, I agree with you. I think they're going to be dangerous. And I think they're going to give Cruz Azul at least a run for their money. And even though they're going to host the first leg in the quarterfinals, um, I think what they really need to do is find a way to avoid being scored on in, uh, in, the, in the first leg, at least to at least try to avoid conceding an away goal and then dominate at home and then just, you know, do your best to do whatever you can do down in Mexico City because I think Montreal will give Cruz Azul a run for their money uh, in the quarterfinals. And who would have thought that Cruz Azul (laughs) is going to have to face two consecutive Canadian sides in the first two rounds? Yeah, certainly a few years ago that would never have been something that was even possible until last year, I guess. But, no, it's it's interesting for sure. the CCL's got a great history in Canada, though. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's gone through MLS, and it gets looped in with the MLS results. But up here, we kind of hold them apart because there were years, particularly going back a decade or so ago, when the American teams, American MLS teams, I mean, wouldn't take the competition seriously, whereas the Canadian teams always seem to make a big run because they'd go all in. They'd play their starters. They'd play, play to win that competition. I always felt it probably had a little to do with the fact that we've, we as Canadians uh, and the club you know, not necessarily the players, but the people running those clubs were outsiders too, in the sense that they kind of always were competing, representing Canada in their in their own minds, right? So when it came to the international competition, it's just an extension. Whereas I think back a decade or so ago, 
the MLS teams that were based in the United States viewed it as like a pain in their butt, right? Um, still pain mm-hmm. in their butt, but I, I do think that there's a much greater emphasis on winning this. And, and although I don't think the, the gap overall has necessarily decreased as much as, as those who work for the league will, would like us to think, but and I think that's going to tell when they're playing week in, week out of next summer, but uh, I do think it's closed a little, and I, I would, it wouldn't shock me if an MLS team won this. I'd probably think it would be New York, but it wouldn't shock me. And this is the best chance I've seen in a long time because the Mexican teams that are in there are not firing right now, and that's, that's a big part of this. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. No problem. I mean, you know, I, I agree with you there. I mean, this could be finally the year an MLS team – whether it be from the U.S. or Canada, will finally get that opportunity to hoist uh, that trophy. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see that moment happen and then, of course, the FIFA Club World Cup opportunity coming in. So, Yeah, I, I, want, I want to see New York play. A, the, the, the hilarious scenario is that New York City FC wins and Manchester City wins the Champions League, which, of course, I have personal interest in as well. But then they potentially play in the Club World Cup. That's kind of fun to think about. Anyway, just a little, little funny. <laughs> way end of it. Yeah. I know you're a Red Bulls fan, so you don't want to see New York win. But... Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. It, it all gets down. It all comes down to that one little moment, that one little thing. But that's okay. Anyway, um, Dwayne, if I can ask you this question. On a whole, for Canadian soccer, this has been probably the most interesting year, and I would say nearly two months of games, results, um that you that you've ever seen with this national team, how they how this national team's performed, club soccer doing well in some moments. Obviously, Toronto, uh, you know, fixing a right that was wronged at the end of last year, bringing over Bob Bradley now to run the club. Montreal now looking strong. Vancouver, I don't know if there's still some question marks with the Whitecaps, but. When you're seeing everything coming together, and I know you're a proud Canadian soccer guy that, that's been following the game in, in your country for a very, very long time, hoping that one day this has happened. What can you say now that it's finally happening and that it's all coming together at the right time? Um, I mean, obviously it's it's been... Uh, an emotional sort of run. It reminds me a little bit of the 2017 MLS Cup run for TFC, where I'd been there from day one, right? That's a little more condensed, of course, in about six-week period in that case, whereas this is basically this World Cup campaign has been happening for about 14 months now, so much longer than, than this, most of the clubs that are in the final round of eight, because Canada had to, of course, go through those early rounds. And you know, it's built and built and built and built, and it's been really interesting to see. And in terms of the actual moment, which they're going to qualify, like I'm not one of those Canadians that's scared to say it. The math just doesn't work out. But the scenarios that have to happen for them to not qualify for the position they're now is absurd. Like it, there's like 20 results would have to go a certain way, and it's like if, if that happens, you know, God truly doesn't want Canada to go to the World Cup. You know, it's it's not going to happen. Um, anyway, but and one of those scenarios, in fact, is if that if there is a, a draw 
in the U.S.-Mexico game. So if one of the U.S. or Mexico wins that game, then Canada goes through. That result alone will send them through, regardless of anything Canada does. So I always like to point that one out because it's just absurd, the idea that everything's going to happen. You have to have draws happen here, not wins, and things like that. To get back to the original premise, um, yeah, it's going to be quite the moment, the exact second you can scream out loud and wave the flag and honk your horn and all that sort of stuff. But, but honestly it's kind of happened already. It kind of happened when Jonathan David chipped at the end of the game there um, and clinched it through. Uh, well, or even in the game before in Hamilton, the U S when they, they scored that second goal in Hamilton, um, you know, I'll give you a personal story here. I'm standing up at the top with the got uh, Jamie McLeod who's the president of the Voyageurs, longtime president of the Voyageurs. He's behind me one row. I'm standing beside my friend, Martin Montez, who's a, uh, one of the one of the most passionate Canadian soccer team fans I've known, and his daughter, who I've seen known since she was five or six years old, and she's a, she's a young woman now, right? And we're all standing together and saw that goal happen, and we just ran across and embraced each other, and that was the moment to, to me personally that we qualified for the World Cup. Like it, it was a pure moment of of like release, right? Like exhilaration, and it was around friends and. That's the important part of this. I, not to get sappy about the stuff, because, you know, the on-field stuff matters, and I cover it day in, day out. But ultimately, the social contract is with the fans, and the fans are the ones that make this matter. And to be around the people that that make it matter the most is what's important to me. It's why I decided, in fact, to, like I had an opportunity to go to San Jose to watch the game against Costa Rica, which is likely one that will happen. Um, I chose not to instead to stay back here because I know that there will be more people that I've known for years around me when that happens other than, you know, the sunshine is kind of appealing. It's been a really – well, you're in the same weather patterns as me. You kind of understand this. It's been a terrible winter, but I'm going to I'm gonna stay in the cold for another couple of weeks so that I can be around people that I people that I love when it does actually happen. But uh, it's been pretty good, yeah. No, I bet it is. And look, I can't wait to see that happening up in Canada once – you officially get the nod that you've qualified for the World Cup. Well, Dwayne, listen, thanks. I'll talk to you next time. And uh, good luck with the uh, rest of the Canadian MLS season. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Cool. Bye. Thank you, Dwayne Ron. I'm the blog. Stopper today with Kevin Laramay for Podcasting Network. Joining me right now, my good friend Patrick Quinn, my Colorado Rapids reporter, who – have the biggest roller coaster ride at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, and unfortunately, it ended on a bad note as Guatemalan side Comunicaciones pull off the penalty kick shootout victory, eliminating the Rapids. And Quinny, um, I was with you in spirit. I was with every Rapid supporter out there at Commerce City at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. I really thought that you had that big goal in regulation until the VAR chucked it off, and then the penalty kick shootout happened, and all of a sudden it just was fireworks in the flurries. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty demoralizing, actually, the way we lost that game and how we weren't able to capitalize being up a man for 75 minutes. I mean – it kind of harkened back to, you know, what we were saying last week. Uh, we desperately need a striker. The team, the club has failed to sign that guy in the off season. And, you know, I had mentioned last week where I, I felt we could probably still get into the playoffs even without that firepower up front. But 
you know, after seeing two games of this, and particularly after what happened on Wednesday, I don't think this is a playoff team. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs unless the team actually, you know, buy some firepower to put up top. But, yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in this team going forward. Well, you know, it's a long season, and there's a transfer window in the summer, so you could basically get somebody in the summer to fuel up, uh, you know, that firepower. And, you know, depending on how many days are still remaining in this current window, you could probably still get somebody or maybe get someone on a free transfer. So we'll see what happens there. But I got to say, I really thought the ball that was scored to make it 2-0 in the match, I thought uh, Alvarez, I, I really thought he was just enough on to have that ball count as a goal. I really, really did. Yeah, I think the call was suspect, but, you know, it's a game of inches that way, and I think that's another example of why they need to change the offside rule. I know Arsene Wenger has been advocating for that, for them to readdress the offside rule and changing it to if any part of the player is onside, then they can play the ball. But, yeah, in this case, you I mean, it got away from us. But, I mean, the reality is we had tons of other chances that game, and we should have scored earlier than that probably several times if, we had a competent striker, I mean, we probably would have won that game three or four nil. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I really agree with you there. Um, if you had a competent striker, probably been more than just a goal. Uh, great goal goal by Max Alvarez to get you back in aggregate uh, to make it 1-1, one, 1-0 one, one in the second leg. And then everything, <laughs> and then everything happened. And the penalty kick shootout, and it was basically the Yarborough show. How he was able to make those saves to keep it at 3-3 was just amazing. Was he, is he was just a pickup? Was he a draft pick? Was he from the Rapids Academy? How he played in goal that day or that night was just amazing to see him go out and just put his hand up at the right time and deflect it off the bar and out. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been a pretty good pickup. We actually signed him uh, out of Mexico. He was a backup for, I believe it was Santos. Uh, I, that may not be correct, but that's where he was plying his trade before we picked him up. But, yeah, we got him for a pretty good deal, and he's been a, a big boost in, in goal for us. No, he's been fantastic, and i got to tell you, um, I thought he played very well in the match. And unfortunately, even though he guessed right on the winner, just couldn't, he just couldn't outstretch his arms long enough to uh, fingertip it away and stuff. But still, though, that was really tough. What did Robin yeah. Frazier say, if you heard any post-match comments? What did Robin Frazier say about the situation? You know, it was kind of a story of us not capitalizing on our chances, and that's right. I think Frazier actually coached a pretty good game, but I think it's the quality of the squad that really let us down when it counted, and we desperately need reinforcements. And, you know, it, it is 
pretty frustrating that reinforcements haven't shown up and I'm not really sure what to say other than we need to get a striker very, very desperately. And it's frankly embarrassing that we don't have one. I think we're the only team in the league that doesn't even have a DP at this point. So, you know, we're effectively bringing knives to a gunfight and I don't know how this season's going to go if, you know, we're basically, you know, going to be lagging behind everybody else in terms of talent. I mean, the rest of the team, I think, actually plays decent. I think we have a decent defense, and I think our midfield's pretty solid, but we have absolutely nothing up top. I mean, we, Diego Rubio's not the answer, and Andre Shinoshiki's not the answer, and those are pretty much our only two options right now. So we desperately need reinforcements, and I wish Kroenke would open his wallet Or if we do have money, I mean, there's speculation that we're sitting on a bunch of GAM, like about $3 million worth of GAM. But it'd be nice if we spent that, too, because that's not exactly money that ownership can pocket. But, you know, where did all that money go that we traded for when we got rid of Acosta and Bassett and Vines and all these other guys? Yeah, I I know what you mean. It's tough to... uh... It's just tough to think of these things when you think you have an abundance of financial backing and not being used. Believe me, I should know. That's starting to happen over with the Red Bulls, unfortunately. And now we just lost. Now our director of sport has decided to head back to England to man to become head of sport of Everton. So, what are you gonna do? Well, that'll be for another show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, you know. Nobody wants to come and <laughs> – they say they want to make have a challenge, and then they leave. What are you going to do? Anyway, um, you know, this is the second time, unfortunately, for the Rapids that they've been eliminated from the opening round of the Champions League. How frustrating is it to see that happen? I mean, I know you've been frustrated all your life. You've had that one glorious moment winning the MLS Cup over FC Dallas and Toronto, but in reality, how do you, I mean, you know, the, there there has been some success, there has not been a lot of it, you know, how, how do you, how do you handle this, man? How do you cope with it? Uh, you just kind of start to tune it out after a while. <laughs> I mean, you, you honestly get a little burnt out. I mean, the most frustrating part is we'll have good years, but and, you know, we'll have a solid team. And we put ourselves in a situation where, you know, one or two more additions to the squad can push us over the top. I mean, 2016 is a good example of that. But, you know, then we don't get those one or two players. And what usually happens is we just end up selling off all the parts and then we're back to square one wandering the wilderness for five or six years until we see a good competitive team again. I don't think it's going to be quite a severe drop-off this time around because at least we have a competent coach in Frazier. And, you know, we still have a solid core to the team, but, you know, it, it just kind of feels like we're going into a season that's going to be an exercise in futility because we're just they're not adequately prepared to compete with the rest of the league, particularly with, you know, all the big signings you're seeing coming into the league. And it's not just, you know, the Atlantas and the Seattles that are making these kind of moves. It's, you know, 
sort of the smaller clubs on the periphery that are also spending cash and getting serious about upgrading their squads. It just seems like we're stuck in MLS 1.0 or 2.0 while everybody else is moving on. Yep. No, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. I know what what's that all about. And hopefully we can move forward and the Rapids can move forward and they can get into that 2.0 or hopefully that 3.0 we can finally make that move to and improve everything going forward. But other than that, it's been really, really tough. Other than that, the Clinton, ready for the MLS season? Ready to go and do it all over again? Yep. Uh, same time, same place every year. So we'll see how it goes. You flying over, You're flying back over here? Your club's facing my club again? You're flying back over? Yeah, I, I might consider it. Uh, I've been thinking about it. I've got some uh, airline miles i got to burn, so uh, i I got to pick a couple of decent go. road trips this year. There you go. Well, always, well, you know you can always contact me, and maybe we can hang out before the game or something, or maybe a day before the game or something. We can have some fun. So we'll see what happens. But listen, uh, good luck uh, for, the, for the season, and uh, hopefully everything will go right for you once again. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and good luck to you guys out in New York. Thanks. All right. Patrick Quinn, my Colorado Rapids reporter from our days at Champion Soccer Radio Network. Trust him very much. Very good guy, very good kid. Um, those, you, know, you try to keep those relationships going when it comes to those days of the Champion Soccer Radio Network. And you have uh, a good repertoire. Good rapport, I should say, uh, repertoire and rapport with uh, these uh, old-time friends. So it's great to uh, have uh, guys like Patrick Quinn with you, just like, of course, Mike Cune, Cuny, Quinny, those days. Love to have those guys with you at all the, con- all the time and try and do things together as much as possible. So that's the fun stuff going forward. Now he's here. And, of course, love to have him on every opportunity I get from Blue City Radio, Michael Anderer, on their advancement out of the round of 16 by NYCFC. Michael, welcome back to the show. Good evening. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, this, 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 the opponent for New York City FC, obviously not a real tough opponent coming out of Costa Rica and this is a team that probably just got into international cup competition themselves. And New York City FC had to do a job, and they did. 2-0 on the road, 4-0 at uh, Bank of California Stadium to handedly and comfortably advance into the quarterfinals. Yeah, Dan, thanks for having me on. And, again, my apologies for uh, for the uh, confusion about the time spot. But, uh, no, you, you said it. it, it I think that the story from this first round for NYCFC is – they did not face the toughest team, and hopefully they do not get that, uh, you know, get a false sense of security about how, you know, how strong of a team they are. They are still a strong team, but you need to uh, to face some challenges in order to uh, really test the metal of the squad. So let's see what happens against Communicaciones, and obviously they'll get the uh, the workout of, uh, versus uh, LA Galaxy uh, with Diego Costa for uh, on Sunday to try to get them, uh, a, a, you know, a little more fired up. Yeah, exactly, and that should be a big uh, 
a big matchup there for New York City. Um, but, you know, that second leg, without a doubt, I mean, not saying that they were gliding, which you don't think they, they were, but still, though, when you've got a game plan that's as sound as they had, you, you knew that they were going to find a way to go out there and bury as many goals as possible. I think, actually, the biggest story for me is, and again, I almost think it's a little bit of disrespect, but Ronnie Dyla changed out, you know, three of his four members, three of four members on his back line during the course of that game. And when you think about uh, the, how rare it is to see uh, a center back substitution, and much less to see both wing backs uh, substituted out, uh, they were they were obviously coasting. It was obviously a situation where he felt very comfortable given the uh, the aggregate score line and the scoreline of the game. So, uh, yeah, the attack, there was never a concern, especially with Cassiano staying through this, uh, at least, well, it seems like he's going to stay through the summer now, but there was, there was even some concerns right up until that, uh, that first leg. What was Cassiano's going to do? Uh, there's a lot of depth, a lot of uh, ability to score goals, as you saw, you know, Cassiano's with the brace in the first leg, and then uh, Magno with the brace in the second leg. Uh, the, the, the attack is going to... Uh, put some fear into a lot of uh, defenses, and uh, you know it's a matter of can they keep that that uh, the defense of NYCFC solid enough? Uh, and I don't see why they why they shouldn't. But uh, that's a, it's going to be a tough team to beat top to bottom. Yeah, it really will be, especially against what they did against the Rapids uh, in the penalty shootout. And that's I think that's the one thing that and I think NYCFC wants to avoid is having a penalty kick shootout against Municaciones in the second leg depending on where it is. Um, you know, many people have given the favoritism of the tournament to New York City FC. And do you feel it's warranted? Do you feel they can be the first MLS side to win this title? Or do you feel that the one roadblock that can come up to them, and I'll say this right now, Cruz Azul looks to be probably the better of the whoever's left over from the Mexican side of things in Liga MX. Uh, you know, it's 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 very tough. Obviously, uh, NYCFC fans wouldn't mind uh, having to face Cruz Azul because that means they'd be playing in a final. So uh, th- that would be the first thing. But uh, I do I do think that this is the year for for MLS teams overall, whether it be NYCFC or Seattle. Uh, coming off this side of the bracket, or even New England coming off on the on the other side of the bracket, I think it's it's a good opportunity given the fact that you know Cruz Azul is is the strongest uh, uh, Mexican side still still in the well yeah I guess it's fair to say strongest Mexican side still in the competition. I think the way it um, you know the way it faced up with uh, Tigres and Club America and, and Monterey not being in the competition this year, uh, it, it's very favorable. Uh, so. I, I think one thing I know from Ronnie Dyla is that he's not taking any 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 game for granted. Um, he's not taking any uh, any series or opponent for granted. It's about creating a culture that that wants to win, that knows how to uh, how to do the simple things right. And that's the one thing that we saw in the uh, the second leg game against uh, Guapilas is that they, you know, even with the, the the you know the rotation and using all five subs early in that game. I think his last sub came in uh, in the 70th minute. Uh, they they still didn't miss a beat. They were still pressing. They were still uh, dominating that game. And I think that's what they he was trying to demonstrate is it didn't matter who was on the field. 
No, I agree with you there. What was the frustration that you felt from the club when one of their players got the red card in the first leg uh, in that you know in the in the matchup? Because you know it, it's the opening round of the Champions League, and you're taking on a team that you're definitely much better to play against, or you're definitely stronger to play against, and yet you get that red card from one of your players, and you're forced to go down to 10 men for the rest of the way. How frustrating is that? Did you feel it was a soft red, or just, you know, once again, just, you know, is there frustration that a red card was produced in that first leg? Yeah, I mean, Dan, you, 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 you know it's CONCACAF. Strange things are going to happen. Uh, so do I think it was soft? Yes, I, I think it was soft. But it's, it's one of the situations where you can't, you can't argue. Uh, Santi was late in that, so you'd like him to be a little bit cleaner. I think Santi was definitely getting beat up. I think uh, Guapilas was trying to, trying to take it to NYCFC a little bit and trying to say, okay, you guys might be stronger, but we're going to be tougher. And I think that showed, and, and Santi was, was uh, you know, showing a lot of uh, frustration in receiving some of those tackles. And you saw it in the second leg, too. Talos Magno, uh, you know, NYCFC's uh, forward, was, was getting uh, hacked a couple of times. Uh, very physical play, and there was no cards uh, shown uh, on fouls against him. So it, it's just one of those things. You never know what, what the referee is going to do, what, what he's going to call. But in that play with, uh, with Santi, I don't. I wasn't frustrated with with him as much as it was. It was just a soft uh, a soft red. I know uh, Ronnie Dyla was was upset, but he he's also um, he's got enough depth to where it's not going to be something that really affects the club. Right, I understand. <clears throat> I understand. That. Uh, you you want to talk about you want to talk about frustration from NYCFC fans? It's about playing that first home leg, the the, the game uh, this week versus Santos de Guapiles in California and then finding out that they're going to play the first home leg or the, the, the round of, uh, I'm sorry, the quarterfinal home leg in East Hartford. So they're going back up to East Hartford, um, uh, in Rensselaer field. Well, uh, that was going to be my next question. How frustrating is it <laughs> that you can't play Yankee stadium. You're not playing a Red Bull arena. You got to go to all the way to California just to play a home match. And now you got to go back to the East coast. Now that you're giving me this news, they're going back to East Hartford. How frustrating is it in international cup competition that you can't play basically at Yankee Stadium or be within the five boroughs? I mean, to me, and I think we all know this, you know, that, that stadium deal has just been the biggest monkey wrench in the works against this club. Well, I think that's what's going to be interesting to see. Um, so obviously, going to California wasn't ideal wasn't ideal for the fans, but for the team because they had to play the Galaxy on Sunday, they were just going to stay out there. So you know that one makes sense, and they could rationalize that. Uh, this one is going to be more more interesting because it's the home leg. It, the home leg is first, so they have to get a good result in the in the home game before going down to Guatemala the following week. And the question is going to be. You know, how, what kind of support are they going to get? Are they going to, is it going to be, you know, strong enough because they're going to be going from California to, uh, to New York to play that game. Uh, that's going to be Tuesday on the, on the uh, 8th. So they'll have a, a little bit of time. Oh, that'll be, yeah, but they'll be, I'm sorry, they'll be coming from Vancouver. And then they'll be coming home what? to uh, resting from Vancouver. 
I guess that's going to be one of those questions. It's going to be really interesting to see what Dyla does. How many guys does he does he keep on the East Coast and not fly out to Vancouver for that one-off game? Uh, because then they'll be right. coming home for the uh, for, for the home opener against Montreal uh, that following week. I could easily right. see Dyla leaving a good six players in in New York, you know, six you know starters, and saying, you know, I'm right. going to rotate the squad. But the frustration right. is, is immense, and, and I know fans weren't happy about the games that were played in Red Bull Arena last year. But in 2019, when NYCFC played the uh, the CCL games, uh, or maybe that was 20, I'm sorry, it was 2020, when they played the CCL games to start that season, they, uh, yep. you know, Red Bull Arena was, was, was fairly well attended for those CCL games. Yep. Very true. So the big question is, is as, as, as NYCFC advances and should they advance to the semis, will, you know, will NYCFC, the front office, continue to play these games in Hartford? Will they you know, petition to Red Bull Arena and try to play these games in Red Bull Arena? And if they advance even beyond that and then they're hosting a, a final, will they you know, throw in the money and try to host a game at, at MetLife maybe? That's the big question mark, isn't it? It was really tough to see that happen. Um, facing Pina Castellanos, whatever, if you're able to see both legs against Colorado, what do you have to worry about with, with a club like that? I know it's not a Liga MX side. They're coming out of Guatemala, but still, though, what is the concern that you think NYCFC is going to have when they're going to face them in both legs? I, I think the biggest concern is that they're going to play a solid defensive game but I think other, beyond that, this is a team that knows how to win. You know, if uh, if my facts are, if my memory is uh, correct, they they've won the uh, the champion, championship down in Guatemala. I think the last five seasons. So this is a team that uh, that definitely knows how to get the job done. So why would in 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 the situation against uh, Santos de Guapiles, Guapiles is a team from Costa Rica that came in third uh, last year, which is how they qualified for for this for this uh, edition of. Champions League, but are currently at the bottom of the table in uh, in uh, in Costa Rica. This is a team that hasn't, you know, again going into uh, Wednesday's game had scored three goals in six in six, six competitions. Uh, they or six games, you know, in all competitions. You know, didn't have any rhythm. Didn't was missing half their players because of uh, visa issues uh, during that first leg game. Could only field fourteen uh, on the on the on the game sheet. Uh, that's not what we're uh, NYCFC is going to face against Comunicaciones. It's going to be a solid squad, a squad that knows how to win, and a, a squad that uh, that has a, I guess that 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 belief that they can beat anybody. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, Michael. I'll talk to you next time. Good luck with the MLS season, and you take care. Thanks, and again, uh, my apologies, Dan, but a uh, great job with the show, and I look forward to hearing more. All right, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, Great looking forward to hearing from you as well. Michael Ander, Blue City Radio, covering New York City FC. And they got a big one against uh, Communicaciones coming up. So here is the left side of the bracket real quick for this quarterfinal matchup. Club Leon will be taking on the Seattle Sounders, while Communicaciones will be taking on New York City FC. And then on the other side of the bracket, on the right side, Pumas, UNAM, will be taking on the New England Revolution. And then Montreal, Club de Foot Montreal will be taking on Cruz Azul. Here is the schedule. 
for the first leg of the quarterfinals, Tuesday, March 8th, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The NYCFC hosts Communicaciones, once again, at Rentschler Field, Whitney Stadium, Hartford, Connecticut. And then at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, Seattle Sounders takes on Club Leon at Lumen Field in Seattle. Wednesday, March 9th at 8 o'clock, New England Revolution hosts Pumas at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. 10 Eastern, 9 Central, Cruz Azul versus Montreal. Clubs give foot Montreal at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. And that's March 8th and March 9th. And then Tuesday, March 15th, Wednesday, March 16th, will be the second away quarterfinals. And we'll get to that after we review the first late quarterfinal. So, once again, your matchups, Club Leon versus Seattle Sounders, Comunicaciones versus NYCFC, UNAM Pumas versus New England Revolution, and Club de Foot Montreal hosts or takes on Cruz Azul. I want to thank my guests, Michael Ander, Patrick Quinn, and Dwayne Rollins. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me on Monday. We're back on with the regular Four Eastern Fire American Soccer Show. Happy 2022 MLS season start for all of you. And we'll talk to you next time on the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg review show. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.